Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn, where nothing is linear and everything is connected. Thank you for joining me today as we begin to investigate the murder of Lita Sullivan, an Atlanta socialite brutally murdered in January 1987 on orders from her husband, James Sullivan, on the day of her divorce hearing. This was a case that rocked not only Atlanta, but Palm Beach, Florida as well. It takes decades to get justice for Lita, and you know our man Dominic Dunn is right there on the scene. Our man Nick covered this case in his Power, Privilege, and Justice television program. He wrote about the case a bit as well. Lita's story is big. It involves many, many years and many, many players. A lot of crimes and a lot of scandals, too. Today's episode is the first of Lita's story, introducing Lita and Jim Sullivan, too, taking this couple through their courtship beginning in 1975 and up to the couple's move down to Palm Beach in 1983. Before we begin this episode, I do have a spyglass here with a few names I see. With huge thanks and praise to our most recent Patreon supporters, Colleen and Joe S., Evie D., Melissa N., Judandi B., Dorothy B., and last but not least, Colleen. Two Colleens this week, I gotta love it. It's one of my favorite names. Big thanks to all of y'all and the entire Patreon community. Friends, for two bucks a month, you too can get in on ad-free and early episodes, done drops too. For five bucks a month, you also unlock over 50 not-done-yet episodes and new ones every Friday. Those not-done-yets are exclusive to Patreon with all the extra stories and spiderwebs. If you were looking to expand your Done and Done investigation, patreon.com slash done and done is the place to go to find out more. Investigators, as for our episode today, the 1987 murder of Lita Sullivan was very personal to folks in Atlanta. Lita was a remarkable woman, dynamic and talented, with a wonderful family and a network of friends who defend and support her in her life and after her death. Her murder on the morning of Friday, January 16, 1987, was headline news for a very long time in my city. Lita was shot at her front door after answering a delivery for flowers on the day of her final divorce hearing. Her estranged husband, James Sullivan, is pointed to naturally, but no one can prove it for a very, very long time. This episode is going to set up the story before this tragic day by introducing some of the main players in the saga. Let's investigate. We 
should probably begin by meeting the criminal husband in this case. His name is James Vincent Sullivan. And Jim's background is much more blue collar than blue blood. Jim grows up in Boston's South Side, but with some real benefits, at least when it comes to his education. Jim might not have a lot of cash or privilege, but Jim comes with an abundance of ambition, perhaps some ruthlessness. The good thing going for the kid, he gets a solid education. Jim will attend the Boston Latin School. The Boston Latin School takes academics pretty seriously. Jim does well enough to attend the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. When he gets a scholarship, Jim will graduate with an economics degree in 1962 from the College of the Holy Cross. Jim will begin graduate school at Boston University looking to get his master's in business management, but Jim will ultimately not finish that program. Along the way in the 1960s, Jim Sullivan will marry for the first time. His first wife was Catherine Murray. And this marriage does produce four children in quick succession, all in about seven years. Jim is working in an accounting gig while Catherine is at home with the kids and Investigators, I wish that was the end of this story, but alas, here we are in the early 1970s, and about 1973, good luck is going to find its way to Jim Sullivan. See, Jim has an uncle, Uncle Frank. It's Jim's bachelor uncle, and Uncle Frank has never had a kid, and Uncle Frank also owns a pretty profitable liquor distributorship. It's not too shabby, and Uncle Frank is super keen on getting Jim down to Macon, Georgia. See, Uncle Frank wants to train Jim up to take over his business, perhaps when the uncle shuffles off this mortal coil, but right now, Uncle can use some help. And Jim seems strong. He knows business. He can come and run it for me. I'll teach him some things. And Jim Sullivan agrees to this. He will bring his wife, Catherine, and family of four kids down to Macon, Georgia for this opportunity, but Jim has a few conditions. Jim wants Frank's whole company signed over to him. He doesn't just want to run it until he proves his worth. He feels like he should just kind of automatically have it. Uncle Frank will do this, but Uncle Frank doesn't really feel all that great about it. Over the next year or so, tensions rise steadily between uncle and nephew. And in 1975, Uncle Frank is about over it. He's made up his mind to fire his nephew, Jim. This partnership is about to crumble. But mysteriously, just the week that Uncle Frank was going to fire Jim and send him packing, Uncle Frank turns up unalive, dead. Really suspicious timing here. Jim, for his part, is now the owner of a business worth millions of dollars, about $5 million, a veritable fortune, really. And again, Jim Sullivan, no class, no couth, but now he's got a whole lot of dollars. That is one aspect of this story, friends, but 
Catherine and the kids, right? Jim's wife and family have been along for this ride. But in 1975, when the mysterious death of Uncle Frank is going down, Jim has also met a new lady. Jim Sullivan seems to be a whole lot less interested in his wife and children these days, and now flush with a little bit of cash, Jim gets way more into an Atlanta socialite. Her name is Lita McClinton. Jim and Lita meet in 1975 and begin seeing each other, much to the dismay of Lita's parents and her friends. All of Lita's circle sees that, well, first and foremost, again, most problematically, Jim Sullivan is married with children, but that's not all. See, Lita is, well, just lovely. Lita LaVon McClinton was born January 7, 1952. Lita was the oldest of three children born into a socially prominent and well-connected black family in Atlanta. Lita's father, Emery McClinton, worked for the United States Department of Transportation. Lita's mother, Joanne, served for decades in the Georgia House of Representatives. But it's not just the jobs of the McClinton family that gives them some high society street cred here. Lita is raised in all the right circles of black society. She is a member of Jack and Jill. Lita does the debutante and the cotillion thing. Lita will attend and graduate from Spelman College with a bachelor's degree in political science. But for Lita, it is fashion that lights her up. Fashion is really her thing, and she will get a job at a clothing store, which is how Lita McClinton meets Jim Sullivan in 1975. I need you to imagine here that Jim is not polished in any way. He may be charming, but the look for Jim is not there. And here comes Lita. She is 22, and Jim, an older man with cash and not a fashion clue in the world, owns two, just two, pairs of polyester pants. The colors, (laughs) goodness, of those polyester pants, one pair is red, the other pair is green. And here comes Jim Sullivan. Two pairs of ugly pants, no haircut, no style, and look who he stumbles onto. Lita McClinton, with her charm and sophistication, Lita soon enough is transforming her new man with the right suits, the right haircuts, the right contacts. Jim Sullivan will be quickly moving into a new era. Dominic Dunn will call Jim a wealthy opportunist, and I believe that to be true. Lita's parents, two stalwarts, of an old-line Atlanta family are horrified by their daughter's romance. Atlanta, Georgia, in the 1970s, got a moniker about it. It was called the City Too Busy to Hate. But Lita's parents are a little bit worried about what Lita's life would look like being married to a white man from Boston who's a decade older than their daughter and, well, smarmy to boot. Joanne McClinton says, 
We did not like Jim, not from the beginning. But we had always told our children, you don't judge a person by his race, you judge him as an individual. So what do you say when they say that back to you? Lead us in love or something like it. What do they say? You can't help who you fall for? Well, Lita fell like an early spring snow. Lita loves the fact that Jim can provide a little money, a little travel, a little bit of glamour in her life. And with Catherine, remember Catherine, Jim's wife? (laughs) She filed for divorce in 1975. And here again, you'd like to get a little glimmer of hope that everything is going to work out just fine. Jim's got new suits and a new lady and a whole lot of cash. A lot of success could happen for Jim Sullivan right here. But also, Jim Sullivan is described as overly sensitive. He's insecure. He has this additional trait of always lying. He always supplements untruthful things to make himself seem bigger or better or more impressive. Jim is desperate to present this blue blood existence, but it is tough to create if generations of that rarefied air doesn't exist in your background. Lita's mother, Joanne, recalls that Jim was always sensitive about his hands and fingers. They were short and stubby, and Jim was really bothered by this. Joanne McClinton recalls, that Jim's hands looked like the hands of a working man, not the hands of a gentleman of leisure. Joanne also spends a little bit of time recalling Jim's lies. She'll say, Jim always had grandiose ideas. I remember he told us that his father was a publisher for Hearst in California. It turned out that his father was a typesetter for a Boston paper. He was working class, blue collar. There's nothing wrong with that, so why lie about it? But he was always looking for social acceptance. Always. Here's the thing. Jim Sullivan is looking at Lita as his chance to gain some of that acceptance. And along the way to his plans, Jim and Catherine will divorce in January 1976 Catherine is going to quickly head back to Massachusetts with the kids, preferring to remain very quiet about her first marriage to Jim Sullivan. And honestly, who could blame Catherine with how this story develops over the next few decades? Lita McClinton and Jim Sullivan will marry in a small ceremony on December 29, 1976, the same year Jim gets divorced. This wedding was held at Jim's 12-acre estate in Macon, Georgia, and Lita's uncle officiates the ceremony. The newlyweds will set up home in Macon for now. And even from the beginning, it might have been obvious that these two weren't terribly suited to each other. And the marital problems Jim and Lita have are not about race, at least right now, although racial challenges will come into play in the next few years. Mostly instead, it's the fact that Jim Sullivan is a philanderer. He likes the ladies, and the ladies like him for some reason. 
even in the beginning part of the marriage while in Macon, Lita will pack up and leave Jim. She'll threaten divorce, but will eventually come back to him. You can't help who you fall for. Lita's mother, Joanne, says, believe it or not, and unfortunately, Lita loved Jim, and love is something you can't turn off. Lita will come back, but not for long, though. See, this social acceptance, this need to belong, is part of Jim Sullivan's DNA. And now, with his beautiful and socially prominent wife, Jim is going to begin (laughs) making his next plan. See, he does want to be part of high society. He wants to be an active player in the social game. So Palm Beach is going to be where Jim sets his sights into breaking through to all of his new visions of high society success. Jim knows certainly with the right wife, and the right house, and the right clubs, the whole package now, certainly he will be a tremendous success in Palm Beach High Society. How could he not be, he thinks? Ah, if it were only that easy. Dominic Dunn, back in his piece, The Women of Palm Beach, written for Vanity Fair, he pens these sentences, which I think really sums something up here when it comes to Jim Sullivan's story. Dunn writes, It's possible to go to Palm Beach bearing all the right credentials, spend the season in a pretty house or the Colony Hotel or the Breakers, and never lay eyes on any of the people you've heard about or read about all your life who are, as the saying goes, the real Palm Beach. Exclusivity is the name of the game in the real Palm Beach. Being with your own kind and your own kind's house guests, excluding, for the most part, all others. Jim, as hard as he tries, and who does he ever, is not going to attain this kind of exclusivity and prominence within Palm Beach. Jim Sullivan will sell Uncle Frank's Crown Beverage, that liquor distributorship, in 1983, giving Jim plenty of money to play with, or at least enough starter millions to make a good impression. Jim will spend some money, though, before he sells Crown Beverage in 83. In an attempt to make his trash can dreams come true, Jim and Lita are going to get in the door of Palm Beach with $1.9 million being spent on a home there. Jim and Lita are going to buy this particular house in 1981, two years before he sells Crown Beverage. Jim and Lita will do a little bit of restoration on this home, but friends, this is not just any home. This home has a fancy address and a fancier backstory and is known on Palm Beach as the ham and cheese house. That's not its real name. The home is properly known as Casa Aleda, which Aleda is Adele spelled backwards. See, the ham and cheese home was built in 1928 by Mortimer Schiff for his wife Adele. 
Casa Aleda was built by the premier architect of the day, Maurice Faccio. Faccio is responsible for the look of Palm Beach, second only to Addison Meinsner. We have talked about Faccio Meinsner, the development of Palm Beach all the way back in the Palm Beach Chronicles series. Casa Aleda, y'all, whoa, is an Italianite villa overlooking the ocean. It has 18 rooms. This home comes in right under 14,000 square feet. Casa Aleda is not an insubstantial property. It is located on North Ocean, which is a big deal address. All levels of Patreon folks, I want you to stay tuned. Dropping right after this episode is a special Dundrop about the Ham and Cheese House and its neighboring property too, also built by Maurice Faccio. Check your feeds for that one. Here, Jim and Lita by Casa Aleda, 1981. The couple will officially move to Palm Beach in 1983 when Crown Package is sold. And Jim Sullivan, y'all, is now ready to play. He's ready to make his move on the scene. Jim and Lita are now set up to live the glamorous life in Palm Beach society, but not exactly really. These Palm Beach years will be a mixed bag for Jim Sullivan and truly, truly terrible for his wife, Lita. It is to these Palm Beach years we will return in the next episode of Done and Done to unpack and examine the next section of time in this story, ultimately leading to justice for Lita. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today, spending your time with me, for telling your friends and fellow podcast enthusiasts about Done and Done, for your kind reviews and ratings and emails to a huge round of thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Investigators, I really, really appreciate you being here, joining me on this journey. Until we meet again on our next Dunday, friends, stay curious and keep on investigating. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.